Welcome to the Let's Talk podcast, Life in Lockdown, from the University of Edinburgh and Edinburgh Students' Association, keeping us together and sharing experiences in this extraordinary period of social distancing. I'm Harriet Harris, the University Chaplain, and today I'm talking to Kritika Kalia, a sixth-year medic who has been fast-tracked through graduation to go onto the hospital wards during this pandemic. Kritika talks about the challenges our newest doctors are facing and the challenges of sitting out this interim period whilst waiting to be called. We talk about what can happen when we have too much time to think during periods of isolation and what can help to tame a mind bent on passing self-judgment, including getting ourselves into our bodies more and learning an instrument. So, Katika, thanks so much for being with me today. It's great that you've come and made time to do the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, no worries. It's always great to be here. My name's Katika Kali and I'm a sixth year medical student. Wow. So, Katika, so you have been fast-tracked through graduation. Yeah, so we were meant to graduate sometime end of June, but actually as of Monday, we had our online virtual ceremony and everything. And as of today, we're pre-registered with the General Medical Council. So it's all been a bit of a whirlwind. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, tell us about the graduation yesterday then. What was that like? So, yeah, I don't know if you use it in other parts of the university, but we through Learn have this kind of area called Collaborate. I'm not sure if that's widespread, but it was basically just about 250 of us like using this link to get onto this video recording. And it was two people in our year speaking and the head of undergraduate teaching and a couple of other people. I think the is it Matheson? Is that his name? The like Matheson, yeah, the yeah, yeah, him yeah, and yeah. also um, Maura White. They were all kind of giving us a little speech and congratulating us. We said our oath um, with our right hands up, and then it yeah. was basically like you're now now a doctor. But I guess the best part of it, and we were saying trying to find the silver linings, our kind of head of undergraduate teaching, Professor David Cluth, he was brilliant he really cheered us all up he did a dad dance to praise you by fat boy sim it was the best thing so many things about it right now oh, oh fantastic david yeah well done <laughs> <laughs> brave man i know i know that's great so that was really funny so so all this happened online with everybody in their own homes i imagine yeah everyone like in their kind of dressing robes and everything just not what we yeah. imagine but still something to remember and quite unique in itself Cool. So they dressed up in their gowns, not their dressing gowns, but their actual well, well, yeah. <laughs> graduation gowns. Well, some people, some people are just in their dressing gowns. I think one of the girls who was giving the speech was just in her dressing gown. Um, because oh, was she? Yeah, oh, just, yeah, yeah. it's just all a bit, just unique. <laughs> Absolutely, you'll be the only cohort that that you know is having a graduation like that. Yeah, I, I think they are trying cool. to get us all together at some point in the winter. I think around the master ceremonies in November. I think that's the aim, so we can hopefully get it in person as well together, which would be lovely. That would be nice. Yeah, that wouldn't that be lovely? So you get to come to the McEwen Hall and yeah. do the whole thing uh, together. That would be lovely. So let's hope that can happen. And uh, and you're suddenly registered as a doctor. Yeah, suddenly it. Yeah. I mean, there's been talks about it since about mid March after we'd all passed our finals about would you be happy to start working early? But it's all been accelerating over the last week, and they're nationally starting a program of interim doctors who are not who are qualified in terms of their medical education, but we weren't meant to start our jobs. We weren't due to start them until August, so it's fast tracking oh. them to mid April and 
potentially running on until we were meant to start our jobs in August. But it's all still a little bit up in the air and the details are yet to be clarified. Okay, yeah. And how how are you feeling about being uh, in professional practice so soon? So I think when it was first proposed to us about accelerating like this, all of us felt somewhat like we wouldn't have had a break and we'd just be starting but now it's already been three weeks of lockdown so I think we're kind of starting to feel like it'd be good to put our skill sets to use because really apart from having an assistantship period where we'd be doing kind of shadowing and getting involved and an elective period there's nothing else really standing in the way between us now and us in August we won't really develop anything and if anything we're just going to de-skill in this time but I think for me anyway a major issue is once when this first started I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have not, not in that I didn't think it was a serious illness but I I think just seeing how quickly it's escalating and just seeing how short we are in ICU beds and everything like that I don't think any of us expected it to escalate in that way. And mm. I think seeing younger people now, especially like the nurses who've, who've died from it, that yeah. to me is a bit of a concern, which wasn't initially. Um, and I think we've been told that you won't be working in areas that have coronavirus, but I don't think they're testing enough at the minute to ensure that. And in that way, um, there's a little bit of concern about personal safety. So it is, mm. it's, it is a voluntary rule completely, but it's kind of a kind of win not you can't really win because you want to help but you also don't want to put yourself at risk so I, I don't it's interesting to see how many people will take up these roles I do think a majority of us will but there is an element of feeling like we won't have the same level of support and the same level of kind of induction care as we normally would if mm. we were going to be starting in August so there's a little bit of a fear amongst all of us at the minute yeah so you'll be sort of thrown thrown into the job and so many people will be uh uh so involved in it with COVID-19 that you won't have um the the mentoring that you would normally expect if you were starting in August under usual circumstances. See, that's how we that is how we feel right now the university yeah. and the kind of national governing body are trying to make it so that we do have multiple different points of support if we need it but just practically knowing what's going on in the hospitals and um, especially I meant to be starting in London next year I just can't see right. how you would be able to maintain the same level of mentorship and the same level of support with all that going on um yeah. but we'll see how it all pans out yeah it'd be great uh if you're up for it to be able to check in with you uh as as the weeks develop Kritika to tell yeah. us how it's going absolutely I'd be, be happy to come back and yeah that would be really good yeah and uh so you're due to start in London in August do you know where you're likely to be meanwhile are you waiting to hear so we did a survey last week effectively um filling out our details and everything and then they asked us would you rather stay at the area of your medical school or would you rather start where you're meant to be starting in August and the issue is on the Monday of last week Edinburgh did tell us quite clearly that if you are not in Edinburgh we don't really think it's justified you traveling halfway across the country because if you're going to bring local COVID up with you and just putting other people at risk just think about it so I would feel really guilty because mm -hmm. it would take me three trades to get back up to Edinburgh right now whereas London's just one journey away um, okay. But I don't know where in London it would be. It would be somewhere in north, central or east. But that is a huge radius. Don't know what hospital it would be. They're saying they're going to provide us accommodation. But again, 
nothing's really been ironed out in terms of the details. So right now I'm just at home waiting to hear, checking my emails a little bit incessantly. But hopefully mm. in the next few days, I think every week we do get one kind of major update at least. We just haven't had a big okay. one yet this week. Okay. And are you uh, keeping in touch a lot with your year group? Um, I guess with graduation and everything this week we have been touching base quite a bit and the Facebook group's really active with everyone kind of posting advice from friends advice from other junior doctors and just links to kind of build resources to prepare us for starting later this month but not kind of individually I think a lot of us are just with our families trying to appreciate the time we have right now with them before all of this chaos starts yeah Absolutely. And and where is home for you, Kritika? So I'm in Norfolk. Um, don't in know if Norfolk. you know it. Yeah, it's, it's quite an isolated part of the country. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Lots of countryside. Yeah, it's beautiful, but can't go outside yeah. right now. No. Yeah. Uh, can you go out at all? Are you able to, are you go, can you go for walks or are you on full self-isolation? So I, I isolated for the first um, two weeks when I came down just because I don't, I was, I was in a ward at the hospitals in Edinburgh which had COVID in it at that time so I just felt oh, like okay. I should have isolated when I got in so I didn't really see mum and dad at all really for the first two weeks but now right. we are yeah we're going for runs in the mornings but we're quite next to the, the coast um, and the beaches get right. really busy which is very concerning because if things keep escalating like this with the good weather I am a little bit apprehensive that they are going to stop everyone from going outside at all so it's, it's a shame because the weather's getting better everyone wants to be outside but I do get the government has to take into account what is putting people at risk so I do fear that in the next couple of weeks they might become a bit more strict about going outside as well yeah and that would be really hard wouldn't it because getting outside once a day makes a big difference if you're able to do that yeah I, I've yeah. I've definitely found that for sure it's interesting what you're saying about the bitches getting busy and uh, some fifth year medics actually that I've also been speaking with have, have said how busy Arthur's seat is getting oh really uh, so all these places that you are used to thinking associating with having spaciousness and you can go for a nice reflective walk and feel calm are actually becoming busy spaces because it's it, this is the opportunity for people to go outside you have a limited opportunity to go outside so you go to these spaces and then they become crowded yeah, it's yeah. funny how how that does happen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yes, like you, I do very much hope that people will try to keep a social distance around these spaces so that we can still keep the privilege of being able to go to them and, and, and have the privilege of the uh, hour outside that we're allowed to have at the moment. Uh, it's so important, like just getting the fresh air in, even even if the weather's miserable, you just feel so much better. Like cabin fever is definitely a thing I found in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, how are you finding that actually? How are you finding the effects upon yourself of the process of isolating? You know, for the first couple of days, when things have been busy, it's quite nice to have that step back and not having much to do and just giving yourself the time you need. But it's, I think a lot of us are in this position where usually university is really busy, your days are quite full on you try and be as productive as you can one thing after the next and suddenly your schedule is just absolutely wiped clear and I'm trying really hard to keep some sort of structure going so I do like just naturally wake up quite early I'll go for a run in the mornings I'll do some yoga etc but even with that I am finding there's just a lot of time in the day to to think and while part of self-reflection is obviously great for for personal growth 
and everything I think there is just a natural kind of tendency to be quite negative at this this time I don't know if you found that as well just mm. just thinking quite yeah. negatively being quite critical being like why am I not doing more or I could be using this time so much better like when will I get this sort of time back but I think it's really important not to be so hard on ourselves like I, I've never really had an issue with this before but I'm definitely finding it over the last kind of week or two just being really hard on myself being quite negative and um, I've kind of been looking into meditation a little bit more to try and ease my brain to stop it being so in overdrive um but we'll see I, I'm trying to get into it and finding it quite hard to just sit still and try not to think yes. but yeah yeah well yeah I think with well with meditation uh I think we we set ourselves up for um a hard time if we sit there and try not to think <laughs> yeah like I just don't, yeah. I don't know how people do yeah. it like I've tried yeah. so many times in the past oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in a way, what we want to do instead is notice what we're thinking and let the thoughts go. Yeah, is, is, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've got. Um, uh, I'll send you some blogs that we we we're running at the moment around meditation and uh, not only meditation, but we're we're running some blogs at the moment called for times like these. Oh. Uh, not that we have, not that we ever have times like these. They're extraordinary, but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> for times like these, when you suddenly have solitude and isolation thrust upon you. Oh my goodness! And, uh, I'd be really interested. So, thank you. Yeah, no, I'll do that. But uh, no, I'm, I'm really, uh, no, I completely, completely get what you're saying. It's, it's almost you have too much time to think, and you can turn those thoughts against yourself, can't you? Yeah. Your mind starts. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, did you know that Shakespeare wrote Macbeth? when London was in lockdown. Did you really? Um, you did. He uh, Well, London was in lockdown, I think, for at least three three um, periods while Shakespeare was there writing his plays. So he would have written a number of his plays in lockdown. That is so but funny. But that's really... I know. It's like, it's, you don't sort of think of it, do you? And <laughs> now suddenly we we can perhaps imagine the terror of, uh, of uh, Tudor, Tudor times when... The plagues everywhere. Yeah, the, the plague was, was killing people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they had to close. They had to close down public spaces and bar off the roads and things. And uh, so there's a there is a line in Macbeth where he talks about being kind of cabined and crabbed and confined mm. and what that does to his thoughts. So it's a very it's very much a human condition, isn't it? That we our thoughts go a bit wild when we're on our own. It is so natural. Yeah. yeah 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 difficult to ground yourself and to find ways to um calm your thoughts not to blame yourself um I think that you know again like you said we can start judging ourselves for not making better use of the time because we're always going to uh we're always going to find um ways of being a judge aren't we it's what the mind does the mind constantly makes comparisons and problem solves and it can easily turn we can easily turn it on ourselves mm -hmm. and it was really oh, easy to not kind of look at the positives either you just kind of get sunken into this cycle of just negative thinking it's really hard to break I think and just like taking a step back and being like you know what the whole world is in this position right now like no one but well, I don't really know anyone who's absolutely loving being in lockdown at the minute so I think just realizing that we are all in this together is is quite nice as cheesy as that is yes. but yeah and we absolutely are aren't we I mean there's no time has no t I don't think there's ever been a time when the world has so much been in all this together obviously we've had world wars but we've been on different sides Tried, and yeah. all that 
you know, and, and, and you know, some countries suffered certainly much worse than others in the wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we, we are really all in this together, uh, quite something. So what are you finding is helpful for getting a sort of equilibrium? I think for me, the biggest thing's been just not listening to the news. Um, I, I I keep telling my mum and dad off about this because they they just have it on quite a lot, and I think nothing. We we know what the situation's like. We we've seen what's happened in other countries, and I don't like being. Um, I don't mean to be like a bit brash, but I think it's going to be quite a similar outcome here we just know in terms of the demographics in terms of the health kind of resources we have available I just think you just seeing all the misery on the tv you know x number of people have died x number of people blah 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 I just think turning the tv off just not listening to the news has made it a lot Mm. better for me Um, and focusing my attention on other things so I've um taken up the harp recently which is quite nice yeah just a bit of a random one but I'm spending quite a lot of time doing that and actually in terms of focusing on something and not letting your mind kind of go out of control with playing something like a musical Mm. instrument or imagine things like knitting you kind of do need to focus Mm. on what you're doing your brain can't really be in two Mm -hmm. places so that gives me some peace during the day for sure and they're both things that you mentioned the harp and, and knitting. They're both things that you do with your hands, aren't they? Um, I think that, that having something to do with your hands uh, is, is a very mindful uh, activity, actually. And it does calm the does calm the mind, I think. Yeah, I, I wonder what it is about it. But I, I do find like reading, reading like relaxes me for a little bit. But then, you know, you, your thoughts kind of lead on from what you're reading sometimes. Um, whereas mm-hmm. when you are just using your hands and you're being quite dexterous, that yeah. part of your brain just shuts down temporarily which is lovely yeah getting a bit of a break from yourself yeah very important <laughs> or getting yeah or getting yourself into your body and not only in your head I yeah. think when we're only in our head hard work yeah, yeah. So I'm fascinated that you started to learn the harp. Did you happen to have one at home? So I picked it up at the kind of start of this year. I've always wanted to. And my brother got married about a year ago and there's a harpist at his wedding. And I was talking to her and it's all just so beautiful. I just thought it was about time. I've been talking about it for ages. So I got one and it's actually not very expensive to rent um, and I'm not getting lessons. So it's really not bad. And I'm meant to be on an elective right now in New York. So the money I've saved from kind of not going over, oh, wow. I'm like reinvesting in, in my other hobbies, which is quite nice. Gosh, well, that's quite a contrast, <laughs> isn't it? So you're not in New York, no. so you're in Norfolk playing the harp. Yeah. And are you doing traditional music? It's incredible. Are you, are you learning traditional music or is it? Do you have tradition around harp? I'm like in your of, sort of family heritage. I'm just kind of um, just going onto YouTube and looking at tutorials at the minute. Um, yeah, there's quite a lot actually. There's quite a lot of kind of Spanish Argentinian music as well, and quite a lot of covers of just pop music as well as just classical music as well. Mm. So you've got a lot of variety there to keep you occupied. If anyone else is, is looking at taking up an instrument, I watch for the harp. <laughs> watch, yeah, yeah. And and YouTube, yeah. yeah. My, my, one of my sons is uh, has just started teaching himself bass, um, so he's uh, just just this week. So that's what he's doing. Amazing! <laughs> what a great time to learn an instrument. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot we can learn on YouTube, actually, in any field, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is actually a source of lots of information. I don't, I don't know when it became a big thing. I think like a few years ago. But yeah, I, this is like when I've kind of delved into it a little bit deeper. 
and I do get my yoga from there as well. So yoga with Adrian, really recommend. She's got a thirty day yoga program. Yoga with Adrian. Okay. Yep. <laughs> nice. All right, right. Very good. Um. Uh, so you're discovering a number of things that you wouldn't have discovered otherwise. Yeah, it's like from this lockdown. For yeah. sure, is things I was always like, I want to be flexible. I want to like. I've always wanted to do the splits. I've never been able to. Even when I did gymnastics as a kid, I was the one person in the class who couldn't do them. That was kind of the reason I quit. So I'm doing like a yoga routine focused at getting the splits and just trying to work through things that I've kind of wanted to do. Um, more kind of using my body than um, oh. think. just thinking has been a bad thing. So I'm trying to just use my body and kind of use my breathing and relax into things. And yoga, stretching, everything's been really good for that as well. That's incredible. And I think one of the wonderful things about yoga and getting your, your body into um, positions that, that really stretch it and feel quite uncomfortable. I know that yoga is not meant to be painful, really, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, you're, you're, you are asking quite a lot of your body, aren't you, in terms of, of stretching and getting it into positions and I think there's something about um, being asked to relax and breathe into those positions, which is really good for anxiety because it's um, it's about opening your window of tolerance to what you can cope with. That's so that's so well put. I completely agree. Yeah, for sure. It just kind of so there's a nice up. parallel. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. There's a nice parallel between what what you're you know coping with bodily discomfort and then coping with mental discomfort, emotional discomfort. The discomfort of not knowing what the future is going to bring. Yeah, uncertainty is uh, yeah. is a big thing right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've all got to we've all got to tolerate it, haven't we? Because we can't um, we can't fix the uncertainty. No, I, uh, a lot so of my friends have been asking me, um, you know, when do you think I'll be able to like travel? They've got like a, one of my best friends, her boyfriend, had to go back to Australia just because he thought it was better to be with his family at this time. And she's like, when will he be back? Mm. When do you think? And it's just yeah. kind of this anxiety about when is this going yeah. to end? And no kind of end in sight at the minute um, is is a bit contentious, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to sit it out, don't we? We have to breathe into the uncomfortable stretches, don't we? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, we, are, we, are, we are being stretched. We're being stretched sort of socially and emotionally, aren't we? So... Um, if we can think of ourselves as breathing into that, that's quite helpful. I think yoga, yeah, yoga is a good one for helping with that. Absolutely. I was thinking like this is definitely going to be in all the history books in the future, which is mad that we're actually living through <laughs> it. Like big, big. It's thing. incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, you know, and when are we? Eight, four months ago, we had no idea. No, no, did we? Literally four, none. Four months ago, no. <laughs> we all thought we were on track for something quite different come April 2020. Oh yeah, if I look back at my New Year's resolutions. Yeah. 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 So, um what are you hoping for, Kritika, at the moment? What are the what is the sort of bit of hope on the horizon that you might be looking to at the moment? I think for me right now it would probably be kind of using what I've learned and, and being put to use in the health service I think I feel a little bit just useless and I'm just sitting back at the minute it would be really good to get this kind of accelerated and get this system for us graduates into the health system as soon as possible because we are effectively at our maximum potential learning wise and we just need to 
develop the experience, develop the practicalities of actually doing the job now. And what they hope to do is put us in areas where we wouldn't be putting ourselves at risk and just kind of helping the staff shortages and getting the routine tasks done. And even if that was, I don't know, five, six hours a day, which is what they're anticipating, that would make me feel like my day's got a bit more structure and that I am being productive and useful. And I do feel a little bit uh, privileged that that is a position I can be and I know a lot of other people, that's just not a possibility in the current time. So I do feel very lucky that that might be happening in the real future for me. Well, it's great that you've trained up for that, isn't it, Kritika? And you'll be there. You'll be there on the front line with, as you say, both the privilege of of uh, doing such such useful work, but also the risks of doing that. So, you know, we'll we'll all be, you know, society will be so grateful. It, it is so grateful to all the the medical workers out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Kritika, thanks so much for for coming and speaking. Well, coming, joining <laughs> on the on this online interface <laughs> to speak about uh, to speak about your um, your experiences at the moment, and it'll be terrific to be able to follow those through with you and see how things are going in a few weeks' time, and then further down the line as well. Absolutely, thank you for having me. It's been good having a different person to speak to for sure. Uh, that's great. <laughs> so, thank you, and all the best. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. For the latest university COVID nineteen advice and news. Go to the University of Edinburgh website and you'll find all the links you need at the top of the homepage. If you would like to discuss any issues affecting you from this podcast or would like welfare support during lockdown, you can contact the university's listening service by emailing listening.service at ed.ac.uk. The listening service is run by the chaplaincy and is for all Edinburgh students and staff.